Welcome to the Sales Mindset Podcast. My name is Dennis DePasquale, Dr. D. My name's Sam Hendrickson. And I'm Brian Gurgis. All right, you guys got a question for me. All right, so for today, we're going to talk about what are some key sales metrics to track and how to analyze them. Okay. Uh, All right, so let's start with just some overarching what a lot of people talk about with this. So when it comes to your sales metrics, you do have your input and you have your output. Most people think about their outputs. So output might be meeting quota, like how close to quota are you at? Are you 100% quota? Are you 75% quota? Are you 150% quota? Quota, if you're setting it right, is should be reachable, but a stretch. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if you set quota and you can reach it in, if you set quota for a quarter and you reach it in two months, you may not have set a high enough quota or a high enough goal. So it's like going to the gym. What is your goal? Do you want to push yourself so you're a little bit sore afterwards? Depending on your organization, there's probably going to be like a minimum quota. Just, you know, what is it going to cost to have you as a salesperson and what do you have to bring in to make sure that you're at least meeting those costs as a salesperson? Uh, every organization has that, that basic idea. Hopefully, if you're at a good organization, they're not going to fire you if you miss quota for one quarter. Okay. They're going to try and work with you to figure out why you missed that quota. Hopefully, keeping the same theme, they'll also not uh, they'll also work with you with your quota to make sure the quota is reasonable enough. New salesperson probably should have a relatively easy quota so they can see that it's possible, and then you start getting to that stretch. Again, it's like going to the gym, lifting a little bit more weight, or running. If you just jog all the time, uh, like jog, you're never going to get faster. You've got to you got to push yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's that first one is is quota, and that's an output thing. That's a result. It's going to be important to note. Second one would be your conversion rate. Conversion rate is your batting average as a salesperson, and a hundred percent conversion rate is probably not. I don't know anyone that would have a hundred percent conversion rate. You're going to get rejected. There, there's just if you're getting 100% conversion rate, you're getting, you're probably not trying hard enough yep. for that to happen. Uh, you're going to have an exceptionally high conversion rate if you're an order taker, if you're only inbound sales, mm-hmm. because everyone coming in is already they're they're pre-qualifying themselves. Although just because they're calling you doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make a good sale, right? Even if they're willing to spend the money, you want to make sure they're going to make a good customer long term, and they're going to be a good exemplar for you. So conversion rate is much more dynamic because you can look at your overall conversion rate, which is how many calls did you make and how many closes did you have? And so that's like your overall conversion rate, but as a salesperson, what you're gonna wanna do is make sure that you understand your your funnel conversion. So calls you made to people who are still interested, you know, we will call them warm. Uh, Calls, uh, people who are still interested down to people who are interested in committing, who've gone from, hey, that sounds interesting, tell me more, to, hey, I'd like to buy that. Hey, I'd like to buy that, to actually closing, mm-hmm. actually writing a check out for you. That's another one, and, and uh, a sophisticated analysis of who you are as a salesperson, you're gonna look at that conversion rate to see where your biggest problems are. So your conversion rate is going to be different from industry to industry, from salesperson to salesperson, from product to product, customer to customer. All depends. And so 
that uh, you want to compare yourself to the average within all of those particular vectors. What is the average for a brand new salesperson selling to mid-sized businesses a product that mm -hmm. costs between $5,000 to $10,000 as an example? And if it's higher, what are you doing that's doing so well? If it's lower, okay, what could you be doing better? And again, you'd look at that intra-funnel conversion rate to be able to figure it out. One of the things that a sales manager might want to ask is if someone has an extremely high conversion rate, are they good or are they doing things that aren't good? And that's where ethics comes into play for some of that. Are they you know, selling? Um, so another metric that I just think about is your customer retention. So if you've got a high conversion rate but a low customer retention rate, yeah. that's a concern. That means you're probably bullying people into that particular sale mm -hmm. and not doing enough to keep them as a customer. That's the uh, Rackham overhead projector issue from spin selling. So all these are output metrics. To me, the real key metric is your input metric. How many calls are you making per day? Mm -hmm. uh, how much time are you spending learning the product and services? A lot of organizations out there may even give you a straight salary or a guarantee as long as you're meeting the key input metrics. So one organization in particular, I know that uh, when they come into my class and they, they speak, some students are very, very skeptical of what they have to offer because they're offering pie in the sky. But when you drill down to it, their belief is that if you put the input metrics in, those output metrics are going to be nearly guaranteed. So what they're saying is you'll have a minimum conversion rate and a minimum, if that minimum conversion rate pans out, then you'll have this minimum quota and you'll be worth it. And that's why yeah. they know full on that they can guarantee, even in a nearly full commission situation, they can guarantee that you'll make those particular uh, metrics, those particular goals uh, as an output as long as you put that input in. Part of it, though, is, is understanding that their training program is there, that it's so supportive that you have to take advantage of it. So in other words, if you're not meeting those, so if you're doing your input metrics and you're not making the output metrics, then it's a matter of the training program to make sure you're doing yeah. it right. Mm -hmm. After tracking, it's important as well. That way you can kind of see the relationship between them. If your input metrics are at expectation or far above it, but then outputs are far below expectation, then you know where you have to work on versus the inverse of that even. Yes, yeah, and that's that's what it really comes down to is as long as you're doing those inputs, if you're making if you're not making those outputs, there's something in there that you and your salespeople, uh, your sales trainers or your sales managers can actually mm -hmm. look at. If you're an entrepreneur, it's a little bit harder to know that, but what it really comes down to is looking at your time. So, you know, take some of the stuff you're doing outside of Canaz. You know, when you are flipping houses or dealing with some of your real estate stuff, you know that you have to, you should look, you can look at your phone as an input metric. Sure. And so look at your screen time. How much time are you sending, spending on your screen? That's a key input metric. It's, a it's like the negative space. And are you spending too much time doing something that's not important? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's really about picking up the phone and making those calls and putting yourself out there facing the rejection, which isn't a big deal, you know, as we talked about in one of the other podcasts, and just getting out there and, and getting it done. Yeah, and speaking about how you say the, in, the input metrics are much more important than the uh, output metrics. I mean, if 
if you put in the hard work, the results will follow. Mm -hmm. If you're results focused, it's you're you're not going to be focusing on what is going to get you there. You just always focus on okay, that's what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> but still, no clear path to get there. If you just focus on all right, this is the path I'm going down. I'm going to make 50 calls today, mm -hmm. which majority of people probably I don't know if they they do say that to themselves. I don't know. If well, it depends on what a call is. Some places, yeah. some sometimes ten calls might be a lot if you're yeah. if you've got like a lot of conversation that has to happen between it, long sales cycle, etc. Yeah. Uh, another, but another t thing is that when you make those fifty calls, how many pickups are going to do it? If uh, I think about my activities when I was doing door to door fundraising, the general goal was forty knocks per day. Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry, not forty knocks per day. It was like between 60 to 80 knocks per day uh -huh. because we knew that there weren't going to be a lot of people home, you know, especially in at this time. This was like t 2003 or 2003. Uh -huh. And, you know, modern life, you don't have too many homemakers at home. To be yeah, to yeah. That kind of stuff. And, and, of course, it would be, you know, somewhat uh, specific to the time of day as we got past 5 o'clock in the evening, more people at home. Obviously, we had to stop at 8 o'clock at night. So... So, but we, we generally knew 40 contacts, 20 signatures, 10 donations, one of those was going to be a high donation. So we had that idea yeah. of what a good conversion rate was throughout that pipeline. They didn't call it that. I understand it now because I understand sales now. But if you weren't hitting those particular numbers, it would be a matter of talking and role playing and getting through uh, what might be holding you back within that mm -hmm. particular structure mm -hmm. of, of what's going on. And that's why it's important to have those input metrics mm -hmm. where they are, because then you can figure out where the other problems lie, and then those issues are easier to iron out once you actually uh, recognize them and mm -hmm. know that that's where the issue is. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, like last week with the whole having input-based or effort-based goals as opposed to results-based goals where... Uh, they, you know, that works logistically, but even for your own motivation and mindset purposes, having input-based goals for what you expect for yourself in a day in terms of effort. If you always look at like everything you want to accomplish in a day, it's a much harder task mm -hmm. than what it would be for what you know you need to input at the very least. Yeah. So let's go, again, metaphors, analogies, whatever. Let's talk about the gym. Let's talk about weight loss or mm -hmm. strength goals or or any, any, any of those types of things. If I uh, – I'm going to take it back to – Marathon training. At one point in time, I was trying to get a three, a sub three hour marathon, mm -hmm. and so that's a result that you know you might want to lose ten pounds. You might want to lose an inch or two off of your your waist. That's the result. What really matters is okay. You set that result goal, and then you decide what should your daily input metrics be, and then you forget that result goal yeah. outside of motivation. Mm -hmm. You might. Start and and if you're like, uh, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't. It's going to be cold out. It's going to be mm. rainy out. I don't want to. I don't want to run. I don't want to lift. I don't want to. Whatever it happens to be, but oh, but I want to have this end result. Weight loss is a great example because you don't see the results from one day to the next. You only see the results from one month to the next. Sometimes two months to the next, or or whatever. So you just have to trust on that input goal, creating that output goal. Because if you're so focused on that output goal, the, the weight loss, and you are one week in, you look in the mirror and you're like, ugh, I'm flabby. 
or you step on the scale and you don't see the, the difference on the scale, it's going to frustrate you. But that's not the important thing. It's the and, and same thing in sales. You just have to know that you have to pick up the phone or walk around or, or whatever it happens to be and make the dials or yeah. do the knocks or whatever it happens to be to trusting that it will end up working out. Uh, and I, I can't really underscore the importance of that anymore. And, and, and again, this is where the, the it, we have that sales focus, but it's a life focus. If you want to have the financial stability, you know, and it's not so much an issue of what you're doing for your job and your salary, but in terms of your spending habits and, and what you're doing to save money, it's what you're doing input to hopefully have that particular output. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, like you were talking about where, you know, oh, I don't want to get up because it's going to be cold. <laughs> you know, everyone's everyone who does any job or wants to complete any task or ch achieve anything is going to mm -hmm. face those issues where you're like, oh, not today. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. You know. I don't want to. I don't want to go train today. And I think it was. I think it was Mike Tyson. I heard from him, and he was talking about. You know, why do why do runners uh, like run at middle or like three, four in the morning, whatever? He would get up and go run, but it was extremely cold. You know, no. Who in their right mind want to do it? And he said, as for anyone who wants to be super competitive in the sales workforce, mm -hmm. and have that mindset. And he said, well. If I feel like if I can force myself to do that, I know I have an edge over anyone going against me, and I know when push comes to shove, I can I can beat them. So, if you can, if you have that drive, and you can say, you know what, I, I'm gonna force myself to do what everyone else is gonna roll over and say not today. You know, if you can make twice as many calls as mm -hmm. someone else, and that's just that's just grit, that's just drive. You know, you're going to be better than them. You're going to have a massive advantage mm -hmm. over anyone. And then that's that's exponential over the first year of doing that. You're going to see the growth from if you were just rolling over in bed, not getting up and pushing yourself. At the end of the year, you know, there's not going to be much growth. But if you are picking yourself out of, up out of bed early in the morning, pushing yourself to be better than anyone else in your in your company, if you're working in a sales job, uh, the growth you're going to see is going to be exponential. And by the end of that, you're going to be a new person, mm -hmm. completely, completely different person and essential to your company. Yeah. And there's science behind what you're saying. This is, this is all backed by what Duckworth has done with her research on grit in terms of the effort being the exponential piece of that equation. And it works out. You know, language, you know, studying Spanish. Mm -hmm. I remember I remember my first experience studying Spanish. I went to Puerto Rico and I went to visit with a friend and of course she's native Puerto Rican so she speaks Spanish or Spanglish as they do there and we got separated and I thought it was so unconscionable that I couldn't understand someone who was just basically telling me to pay here. Mm -hmm. uh, like it, it, the the words were so ingrained because it, I was in such fear and and fight or flight because I could not understand what this person was saying, so I started learning Spanish and really the five minute a day Duolingo turned into a competency that I have such that on my trip to Ecuador last year I was having conversations with a driver 
about for you know we were in the car it was taking me from Quito to to the Amazon basin and we were talking about the global or the geopolitical politics of South America oh, wow. and I was able to actually follow that conversation I'm like holy crap but here's the thing I didn't recognize that I was that fluent until well after I was actually that fluent and I wouldn't mm -hmm. call what I my my Spanish competency fluency mm -hmm. but either way my ability to do that it wasn't until after I had been doing it, and that's the same thing with sales yeah. or anything else you happen to be doing in life, is that you just have to trust the process. Yeah. Um, and Duckworth talks about that as well. Yeah. And and Duolingo, what do you do? Fifteen minutes every day? Oh hell, five. Oh yeah, five. Not even. Not even. I mean, there was there's periods where I'll I'll spend an hour on it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I if I'm on vacation or uh, once just. 2020 left me a lot of open time, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so there was one time during 2020 spring break that uh, that's exactly what I did. I was just doing like a couple hours a day. But but um, the it's the five minutes a day that actually yeah. added that ability to me. In fact, mm -hmm. I would almost look back on it and say that I probably didn't gain too much. I would say maybe an hour, maybe 45 minutes of it, but spending multiple like hours on it probably wasn't as productive as the five minutes a day mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I do. Uh, and and the neat thing about Duolingo, uh, Duolingo if you want to sponsor me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the neat thing about Duolingo is that I'll do maybe five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night. And yeah. that is actually just like if you do a morning workout and an evening workout, you spread, you know, take an hour that you would have done working out and do 30 and 30, well, that's actually probably got better metabolic benefits. I have no idea if I'm actually right on that. But uh, for me, and, and you know, whenever I did two a days and I split it up, I found better metabolic and strength benefits to that. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, to go on that, like I've always, you always, I always remember like a, a chapter of a book much more if I finish a chapter and then, you know, close the book instead of just going to the next page and starting mm -hmm. the next chapter and think about, go back and think about it. And, it's that consistency yeah. over time instead of just peak, you know, okay, yeah, this week, oh, I worked out like every day this week, multiple hours every day, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, but then you lose that consistency. Next week, oh, stuff came up. I didn't do anything. Next week, uh, yeah, I haven't been in the gym again. But yeah. the consistency, five minutes a day, Duolingo, you know, then you don't even notice it. You're somewhat fluent in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't take a ton of effort, but you put yourself in the headspace of this is what I'm doing, and you almost build it into your life, where, like, doing an evening workout and a morning workout is less about, you know, working twice as hard, but also, like, I'm accepting that this is a part of my life. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. part of my evening routine, part of my morning routine. And like you said, slipping. I just finished reading Atomic Habits uh, a couple months ago. One of my mm -hmm. favorite things that I've, I've fully adopted in my life is the whole, like, don't lose twice mm -hmm. philosophy, which is, like, if you have a routine or a structure that you're trying to uphold and you're trying to build tasks and whatnot or build habits on one another, yeah, as, as the book you know, will we'll label them, if you miss a day, that's fine. You know, forgive yourself and be, be, be kind to yourself, but also don't make the mistake twice. Yeah. Make sure you put in twice as much, three times as much effort to make sure that it doesn't become a new habit. Uh -huh. Yep. Yeah, highly recommend Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm -hmm. But um, I, you know, I've got a story about this because, you know, some of the the conflict and strife and and adversity that I've that I've faced over the past 
especially 2020, 2021 with family stuff and whatnot. Sure. One of, so you talk about, so Atomic Habits talked about this, this habit stacking. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, one of the habits that I continually did is waking up at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the, even if I woke up and I just, you know, curled into a ball because of the stress that I was facing. Not that I encouraged doing that. Again, family stuff can sometimes really kick your butt, but at least I had that. Yeah. And so as I started to rebuild my habits, which I'm still doing today, mm-hmm. I didn't lose that very basic foundational habit, and that was real important. Another thing, and it's somewhat related to what you said, is who is who are you? Mm-hmm. So who are you, Brian? Who are you, Sam? Who am I, Dennis? Right? And part of it's incorporating your identity as that person. So if you are a salesperson, but you don't want to call yourself a salesperson, that is a problem. Right? And so create your identity. There's a Buddhist principle. I can't think about it off the top of my head, the exact title of it. But it's basically decide to be who you're going to be and just embody that. So, you know, when you are ready to pick up the phone, like, oh, I don't know about this, whether it's imposter syndrome that's getting in your way or anything like that, it's just a matter of saying, I am this. I am an athlete. You know, that's the one thing that, that, you know, even though I've put on a lot of fat over the past two years as a result of that, and I'm slowly getting back from that, that's one of the things that I have to remind myself, hey, you're still known as an athlete. You better embody that identity your identity is extremely important to you and a lot of people when their identity is threatened that that gets in the that that motivates them yeah so i am a salesperson i am a success i am the person who will beat everyone else at this game and when you say that in your mind that's when you become that in your mind Mm -hmm. so you know if that's something that you're struggling with uh listeners viewers is you know remind yourself of who you want to be you know brian you want to be a sorry for our dog there uh brian you want to be a house flipper brian you want to be a sales executive once you decide on that then that's who you're going to be same thing for you Mm -hmm. same thing for me so if i want to be say the next grant cordon being the next person is never good but like grant cordon he, he said to himself i'm going to be one of the world's most known people for sales training Boom. That's what he became. So yeah, sure. for me, this is being the the mindset sales coach, if you will. Mm-hmm. Being so, you know, leveraging what I know and who I am about personality and everything else, that is important to me and really understanding that that is part of my identity and living that as I wake up. Not being the person who says, oh, that's not me. I'm just going to play video games today. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or always using a try as your your action verb where i'm going to try to be this person or i'm going to try to do this thing today as opposed to owning it yeah well god uh, not to be a nerd about star trek or star trek uh i'm probably about to piss off a lot of people star wars <laughs> um but you know yoda there is no try do or do not if you're trying that means you're accepting the possibility of failure and i'm not saying again i've never say that failure failure is good um i've never say that failure is bad excuse me and you need to embrace the possibility of failure, but don't count on failure. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just go into it saying, I'm going to do this right, mm-hmm. even if I don't get it right. 
And then yeah. respecting the fact that perfection itself is a bit of a myth. Yeah, and going off what you were saying, Brian, I mean, there's there's a, I mean, I think it's kind of corny to say it, but I think there's a lot of power in just telling yourself, I mean, like, you know, I, I am this, whatever. I mean, I've, I've tried to get back into running and, you know, just not really telling myself this, but like, you know, I, I'm a runner, whatever, I can do this. And not being like, I don't think you should necessarily be vocal about it. I think you should kind of keep that to yourself and just, uh, you know, not to try to parade it around like, oh yeah, look at me, look at me. Just be like, you know, this is this is who I am. I'm gonna do this in the shadows and I'm gonna, you know, this is gonna be a benefit to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point I'm gonna be a different person because of this. And those are the attributes you should, or those are things you should attribute to yourself. Try to, you know, become someone better than who you are today. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you mentioned that, and I think there's this this dichotomy of competing opinions on that. So what you said is right. Do it in silence, mm-hmm. and don't worry about what other people think about you. And I think that's great, uh, and I think a lot of people actually do well by that. But there's also value in telling people. Yeah. Now, what I think is important is decide who you're going to tell. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, I'm going to run, or I'm going to become financially secure with sales or anything of those those areas make sure you're telling it to people who when you tell them oh I, I only made 75 instead of 100 calls or I made 25 instead of 50 calls they're going to be like I thought you were a salesperson dude right mm-hmm. um, same thing I'm going to be a runner oh well you know I skipped today's run because of this that or the other thing I thought you said you are going to be a runner uh, so when we articulate our goals, oftentimes that helps us hold ourselves accountable for the goals. That needs to be compared to the person who does it for narcissistic reasons. And there's sure. plenty of people out there that do that, that say, I am this person because they just want the attention of being that particular type of person. And I could go off on Machiavellianism and psychopathy and, and whatnot. It's an area that I've that I've also delved into. But you know, understand your your strategy for articulating it to people. If you're articulating it because you want the attention, you're not going to get anywhere with it. But if you're articulating it because you also want those around you, five monkeys theory, to to hold you accountable to it, then that is a good strategy and I now hearing that as a runner myself I'm holding you to that yep. you can go running with me hopefully yeah. we won't get hit by a car like I did yesterday I did get hit by a car yesterday oh way. really again yeah <laughs> yeah so I got hit well, by a car on my bike I got yeah. hit by a car running so if I get hit by a boat while I'm doing an open water swim I'm going to tre- collect the, yeah, uh, right. the triathlon trophy on that one but yeah yep. but even still you know I could use that as an excuse my foot's a little black and blue because mm-hmm. the, the the person who is actually very apologetic I've uh, uh, got to give the, the, the individual credit they realized mm-hmm. and I think they learned that they need to pay attention to what they're doing um I could use the foot and say, oh, I'm just not going to run. Mm-hmm. I do not have any injury to my foot that's going to prevent yeah, me from yeah. running. But there are people out there that would find that as an excuse. they say, oh, I guess I better not run. No, I'm doing my long run on Saturday. Now, if it hurts, I'm going to stop. Yeah, of course. But I have to at least put myself out there and try, and it would be stupid if, if I felt pain to, to do yeah. that. So, yeah. And what you're talking about with like the narcissistic um, 
like kind of seeking audience. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes back to uh, uh, what we were talking about at the beginning with the uh, outbound metrics. Like they're seeking that result. I guess you could mm-hmm. say where mm-hmm. they they all they want attention for. I'm a I'm a runner. Oh yeah, you guys should want to be like me. You know, it's all about me. Whatever. Yeah. And you know the opposite of that. The person who actually like cares about the input metrics is gonna be everything like all those people who would anyone who uh wants to be like achieve that success they're gonna achieve it and then they'll be once uh you know they do achieve it they'll get that recognition but even if they, they probably don't even want it you know that that's not what they were looking for now, the research shows that people who are successful do have a higher level of narcissism. So there is some value yeah. into in, in that projection of who you happen to be. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that doing it straight up for your own edification is going to work. There, There's obviously that right balance of mm-hmm. what those personality traits are. And you're absolutely right. You know, you have to you have to have more than that going for you. So some degree of narcissism can actually work well for you. Obviously, you know, you don't want to be... Narcissism drives us, for example, to groom ourselves properly, to care about whether we are too too heavy or not, for me to not let this beard drop down to my knees. Uh, or, yeah, you got a nice cropped beard there, sir. Uh, to wear the proper clothes and everything else. So there's some value in that, and, and it shows in the research that a lot of CEOs... Uh, do have that high level of narcissism. I know we've gone a little long on our time, but I think the general piece of this has been, you know, input metrics or output metrics. That's what we talked about. What you really need to care about is what you're doing on that day-to-day basis, but you can inform what you do on that day-to-day basis with those output results. But if you focus on the wrong thing, you're going to have trouble focusing on that right thing. Any final thoughts from you guys? Um, that's good for me. Yeah, I think so. I think we uh, it was a pretty good wrap up. Actually, thanks for joining us today. We'll see you in the next one.